Tales of the Fantastic Podcast with J.N. Cameron and Matthew Moe. A discussion of inspirations, practices, and the fiction that we love. Too bad she won't live! I'm your husband. But then again, who does? A podcast by writers for writers. Brought to you by Tuesday Night Publishing. Hello, before we jump into the actual first bit of inspirations on this, uh, Joe and I sat down and we had a long conversation broken up about uh, films, television, literature, even music videos. That uh, in video games that have played a part in our inspirations uh, over the years. So what I'm going to do is break up this conversation uh, over the next couple of podcasts. So the first one we're going to do today is just on film. We veer off a little bit because we go into long, wandering conversations. But the first bit is all about uh, the films that inspired us. Uh, a lot of them are famous, well-known films, but it doesn't matter. They're spoiler-filled discussions of the stuff that we love and why we write and read the stuff that we we uh, write and read. So here we go. Part one of post-apocalyptic slash apocalyptic film inspirations. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Matthew Moan back again for episode two of the Tales of the Fantastic podcast. I'm here with J.N. Cameron. Hey, everybody. This is Joe. And uh, today we're talking about post-apocalyptic inspirations because Matt wrote us an awesome post-apocalyptic uh, short story that we've narrated on today's episode. Oh, that's right. I'm super yeah. excited about. And so so I talked to Matt. I wanted to get some of his inspirations for this cool story he wrote. And uh, so that's what we're doing. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic so, things. Goodness. Part of what I wanted to talk about is, uh, well, n- number one, we're back in my uh, my little office. It's the heat mm-hmm. of summer, and so there may be some background noises because we got fans going. But the, uh, the biggest thing is part of I wanted to kind of talk about us going into like a deep dive kind of about what we love about post-apocalyptic fiction why we fell in love with it and what a, what you know those influences what is it about it yeah that we love so much so yeah. there was a quote towards the end of the film Fight Club uh, where uh, Brad Pitt playing who plays Tyler Durden right he t- he kind of explains his uh, reasons for what he does, what he does. Read his quote. Read it. And the quote is, if I can actually find it, I'll put it in here. If not, I'll read it. In the world I see, you're stalking out through the damn canyon forest around the ruins of Rockefeller Center. You'll wear leather clothes that will last you the rest of your life. You'll climb the wrist thick cuts of vines that wrap the Sears Tower. When you look down, you'll see tiny figures pounding corn, laying strips of venison in the empty carpool lane of some abandoned superhighway. Wow. Exactly perfect. <laughs> and he says that in this really cool time yeah. where uh, Jack, the main character, is kind of drifting in and out of sleep at one yeah. point. It's oh, so man. perfect. It's great. And uh, so that, to me, kind of summarized really well what it is that I love about oh, the yeah. idea of post-apocalyptic fiction. Yeah. Um, so it's like this. The, it 
the first thing that's so exciting about it, I think post-apocalyptic stuff, no matter what it is, it's like the start over, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the reversion to the old ways, to it's medieval times. the fact times, that all to, the stuff that we rely on, yeah. society rules, laws, having mm-hmm. to go to work, having to earn money, having to pay bills, mm-hmm. all that stuff is gone, and it's down to the most simple stuff of just survival. Mm-hmm. I think that, for me, is one of the reasons why it's so exciting. And I love... I think so. Yeah. I have this thing kind of built into my brain ever since I was a kid of seeing overgrown buildings mm-hmm. and downtowns and stuff like that where this where the you know like the nature has taken it back reclaimed and i just love own. it man yes me too uh i think probably one of the first uh post-apocalyptic things i ever read was actually the sword of shannara yeah and I didn't realize it was post-apocalyptic. I thought it was just straight fantasy. And I didn't I don't realize think, it yeah, was in, so in far book, in the future that... Yeah, I don't think any of that happens. That wasn't... So I'm not sure book. if that really qualifies as post-apocalyptic. It's Yeah, it's only revealed later, I think, uh, that what's, it is. What's the first post-apocalyptic fiction that you remember reading? The first novel or short well, story that I mean, really impacted you? I think The Stand. The was, Stand, yeah, which was what? That was uh, 1978. Yeah, and I'm, the stand. I probably read it in the mid-'80s. Yeah, me too. And I was just enthralled with the... It, to me, the cool part about it that's always stuck with me was his journey. Yeah. It's what made the road so cool. It's a suit, yeah. McCarthy. It's, it's like that kid's journey. As soon they know the where they're stand. going. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the best. Like, absolutely. I don't even remember really enjoying the end all that much or the resolution or anything else yeah. it was all the journey i loved about it it was the, this group coming together and traveling yeah. cross country yeah. and it's what yeah and i agree when they get to where they're supposed to be it's not as interesting like when they finally arrive in mm-hmm. colorado yeah and things start happening i'm waiting for them to get moving again yeah yeah, yeah. so uh i want to talk about two um we're gonna let's first okay. First, we're gonna talk about post-apocalyptic inspirations in movies, and these are the mm. things that uh, I nice. I mean, uh, stories were there. I mean, books and short stories were there, but the when I was a kid, these are the things that really impacted me and then made me want to search out those stories and yeah, novels and definitely. Books. So when I was little, I'll start with the very first one. Okay, uh, on cable there was a uh, it was Channel Five for us locally. It was just yeah. this. They would play <laughs> old movies. Oh yeah, I remember. All, that. Do you remember yeah, all oh, the yeah. time they used to play animated stuff like um, the the old Animal Farm from like nineteen forty something, and they used to play on repeat. It would play a couple times a month mm-hmm. or a couple times a week. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's definitely apocalyptic, man. That, that was an apocalypse. It is. That it's was, the, yeah, that it's it's as it's happening. Yeah, yeah. That was the apocalypse as it's happening. That was a good one. That that one frightened me tremendously me when I saw it, it when really I was a kid. Me out. Yeah, that uh, it was that was disturbing. And then later, as I got older, and I went and found the the novel by Jack Finney, Ooh. who he became one of my favorite writers because really? yeah, he wrote another book called Time uh, Time and Again, okay, which I think is one of the best time travel books you will ever read in your entire really? life. Oh yeah, I'll, if I have to give it to you if you haven't okay. read it. Okay, okay. So also on that uh, channel because it was it wasn't yet public domain, but it was super cheap for them to air was the original Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great, great apocalyptic film. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Still one of the most frightening movies there yeah. is. I know. And uh, well, just, and I mean, uh, <clears throat> something about it. It, it, it. It's that. So that's not really, it's not the post-apocalyptic. It's apocalyptic, but it's what we love. It's because it's just, that's the raw survival. Yeah. The person holed up yeah. in a house 
everything boarded up against the zombies. But there, there's so many things that are like that that yeah. we love. That's where it's the person holding up and surviving. It's right? just, I mean, it's it's uh, it goes to the RPG stuff that we played when we were kids. I mean, it goes to uh, for me. What I love about it is the scenario. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this is happening? What do you do? And when you have people who deal what with choices that, choices do you make? What, yeah, and when you have people who actually go in and th- try and think about what would you do in that situation, and then that they write a story about it, you know. And mm-hmm. um, that's the thing I love about Night of the Living Dead is it feels like the response of most of the individuals in that movie feels appropriate. It does, yeah. Yeah. Feels like choices we would make in uh-huh. one of our mini role playing games. We <laughs> we would make these zombie role playing games and uh Matt would design the system, would base it on the Fallout car- or no uh, aftermath. aftermath, the aftermath, aftermath. role playing game. Yeah. Which was a crazy in depth role playing game. Yeah, it's actually all intricate. online free now. If mm-hmm. you want to do a search for aftermath you can make the characters for free online, all the charts and everything. Yeah. But it was this incredibly intricate post-apocalyptic survival game where you had to make calculations for windage on your rifle when mm-hmm. you were shooting someone, yeah. for how you were standing and holding your weapons, for cover. It was uh, it was probably the mo- one of the most in-depth games I've ever. It was. I mean, and it was. To play. I think yeah. because of that, it was super difficult, and it didn't. It, I don't think it necessarily found the audience it could have. Yeah. But it, it was so intricately done, and there were so many great ideas in it that I could go through and say, "Well, I like this. I can use this," mm-hmm. and so I would kind of come up with my own little system for it. It was awesome, uh, amazing find. But uh, let's see, what was what's some other ones? So what's what's one? What's thinking of the old movies? What's one that's like? post-apocalypse. It's way after the apocalypse happened. What's well, the first one you remember that really... Planet of the Apes. Oh. Classic. I Probably know. one of the greatest post-apocalyptic sci-fi. One of the greatest ones of all time. I agree. Well, and that was one of those times, you know, the first movie that did that twist thing at the end. Oh, yeah. That made my mind break when I was like nine years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was <laughs> like a Saturday afternoon. They were playing the first, like, four movies of the series. Uh-huh. I had never seen any of them, and my dad goes, you have to watch you this. You have to watch this. And so we sat down and we watched it, and I was blown away. Yeah, it's the Statue of Liberty. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. my God. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> but it was the same thing. It was like uh-huh. they took... Uh, they, okay, what would happen if, and then they just push that idea a thousand years in the future, and oh, here yeah, you go. Yeah. Amazing. Great then, this this next one that's on the list here. Yeah. I was, I think I was 12 years old. Okay. My brother Paul, who yeah, showed me loads of movies I shouldn't have seen yeah. because I was not prepared or ready for him. Late one night, he comes back and he goes, I have to show you this movie. We no sat way. down, and he showed me The Road Warrior. Woo-hoo! Which Man. absolutely informed the stuff I love from that point on. Of course. Yeah. What what, what a great movie. It's Muscle so cars and bad guys. And, and people pronouncing gasoline, saying yeah. it that way. Oh, <laughs> gasoline! <laughs> it's so, so good. There's so many little things that I do, like noises I make that come from that movie. One of them, oh, like my God. kids do, because I go, hey, 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 and <laughs> it's the guy who's like the helicopter pilot makes that weird noise and like it's in my it's just like part of my being there's so many so, little things in that that i i just love and because of that stuff that's is one that, of the reasons so why is road Aftermath. warrior the one where the guys are going push you shove me that's push the first you. one that push you shove that's me mad push max. you that's, that's mad max yeah 
Push, push you. What about me? Toe Cutter? Toe Cutter is Mad Max. Uh, yeah, that's Mad Max. Is Road Warrior is Road Warrior. It's I the am humongous. the Knight Rider. No, no, Road Warrior is the humongous. Yeah, that's okay. the one with the feral oh. boy and they're, and they're <laughs> Rooster. Yeah, Rooster. They're that, going so to attack that. Uh, that would have been Matt in the apocalypse. Yeah. He would have been Rooster on a motorbike with a little guy on a chain behind his him. Little, yeah, <laughs> his little friend. <laughs> There's the feral boy and who the has the boy. has the boomerang. The boomerang remember? Yeah, yeah. So he cut that guy's fingers off. The mm -hmm. guy tried to catch it. I am the humongous. I'm the, the Ayatollah of rock oh, and roll. Man, so good. Such a good movie. Yeah. And it went on. I mean, like, and you know, I, you can say what you want about uh, Thunderdome. It's got it has parts that are okay, but uh, the, the what you call it, the last one, Fury Road, seriously, oh. one of the greatest action movies ever made. Seriously, nonstop, it's so just good, greatness. I know, oh, so good. Oh man! All right. Then, so all right, moving on from that, the next one that Paul showed me, yeah, was Escape from New York. Oh man, I think you showed me Escape from yeah. New York. I probably didn't see Escape from New York till about 1985, and I'm pretty sure you showed it yeah. to me. And I absolutely yeah. love that movie so much. Yeah. It's one not only from the soundtrack, but the the way it feels, the way it looks, the way the characters act. Everything is so perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Night is 1981, and it's amazing. Uh, that's I, and really? I have actually just shown that to my kids. Really? Yeah. They like it. Uh, they did. Well, half the time they're going. Oh, now we understand so much more about you. <laughs> Uh, an amazing movie, yeah, um, and movie. one of the things that I love. There's two two little stories I have to tell about this okay, movie. Okay, sure. And then I'll let you no, jump no, in no, and tell talk me, about tell your me, stuff. Tell me. Is uh, there's one thing that happened? Well, because they filmed it in St. Louis after the, uh, a fire had destroyed almost a couple city blocks. Oh wow! So there was this basically a gutted section of industrial St. Louis. So they were like, okay. "This is perfect. We can just go in. We'll wet the wet the streets down at night, and we've got." New York, right? Mm. So there's this one scene where uh, what's his face? Kurt Russell had to go. He went all. He talks about this on the uh, on like the director's commentary, and oh, it's amazing. To watch that. Okay. He goes all the way down to the end of the street, and they're doing this long shot where he comes around the corner and walks towards the camera, right, and through this whole thing. And uh, so Kurt Russell walks all the way down. He's decked out in his. Snake Plissken outfit with guns and the whole thing. He goes around the corner and there's like four or five dudes in, in a street gang who start hassling him. And he just kind of shows off the gun and they take off running. <laughs> As he's waiting for them <laughs> to That's yell great. action. So good. Uh, awesome, but yeah, man. amazing. There's so much stuff love in that it. movie. I, I love it. I love it. Just the things that they do where they take they take certain little ideas and just expand on it. You know, mm -hmm. how would they have power? How would they get cars working again? And of mm -hmm. course, they make them steam engines. You know, yep. of course, they yep. do this. So good. All right, so next is that I have on here is uh, the uh, sequel, the second movie in the uh, George Romero zombie trilogy, Day of the Dead. Oh, man. That, that one... This really one felt much was more very real to me. disturbing. Yeah, and that—that's the one where it starts off. Don't they? They have the helicopter and they yeah. land the helicopter in the city. Then they have the bunk. Oh man, that. Yeah, that one. I loved it. Just, just the whole premise. I, well, yeah, and it was them living. You know, setting up that thing inside the mall and and securing themselves in there and all that stuff to the point where they like. You know, they they fake over the door, That's so right. you can't even tell where the door yeah, is. Yeah, they built fake walls, and then in the end, the biker gang comes and destroys everything and lets and the, zombies the zombies all back out. in again, and they finally take off in yeah. the helicopter. Yeah, love love that one. That's a great one. 
we see next on the list is one that you had w- wanted to add. This is one, sadly, it's ridiculous. It's been one I've wanted to see for years and years. I've mm-hmm. never actually watched it. I own it, so I'll loan it to you. It's a boy and his dog with Don Johnson. Yeah, 1975. I know about it. Yeah. Um, that see, I love this one so much because out of all the post-apocalyptic movies, this one reminded me the most of the game aftermath, the role-playing game. I could see that because he was just sort of it was a real barren wasteland, a desert. Like in the game, it seemed like it was always that, and he was basically just killing people for cans of old dog food and stuff. <laughs> oh, and that's that. And that was always my vision of the apocalypse cause yeah. from the role-playing games that I would have a dog and a gun and I'd be wandering around having to kill other people for cans of like beans and peaches. I know, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, good movie. Next one on the list, let me see. Omega Man, 1971. Wow, uh, oh, talk about that. Well, this one got me... Uh, it's a remake, right? It's a remake of uh, Last uh, Man on the, the Earth. Last Man on Earth, uh, Vincent with Price. Vincent Price, which is now public domain. You can watch it on YouTube, the whole thing. Um, I like the Omega Man better, actually. I, I do, too. It's my, cause I think it's more closer to my time period. And well, and there's something about the, seven, the, the 70s look and feel of it that yes. kind of work. Even though yes. they substantially change mm-hmm. uh, what the, the vampires are. Yes. Uh, because in the original novel, um, I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, which is honestly, it's a book I read every couple of years. It's a brilliant book. Yeah, It's really, really good. Um, they're vampires. They're definitely vampires. And then in The Last Man on Earth, there are these really slow-moving zombies. Kind of zombie things. things. Yeah, they're, like they're they hard can, to quantify. They can utilize clubs and yeah. they hit stuff. They can use tools and they're smart enough to and open doors. In Omega and Man, they're basically mutants, right? They can't From be out during chemical, the day. chemical yeah. warfare or something. And they, they talk. I mean, and, they, and the, um, they're like... It, they become almost like mutants. a... They've been affected by this virus that makes it so they can't go out during the day, and they're angry about it, and so they keep That's coming right. after okay. Neville. Come out, Neville! Remember, they yep. stands out there yelling at him. But that's, that's right. in the book, um, and ta- you know that's part of the next conversation is that we're going to go into some of the l- literature that has uh, been an inspiration in this kind of post-apocalyptic stuff. But that novel for sure is fantastic because it deals with stuff that I remember reading it even. Uh, you know, it was 18 or 19, I guess, when I really read it. Well, Omega Man's almost just like the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith. It's just much a, more like that. But yeah. I, but it's a better version. I it's, agree. Uh, but the same thing. Remember, he's out in the muscle car, zooming oh, around. In the beginning. Looking for clothes yeah. and looking for stuff. And the just fact that he's doing that. Doing a little shopping. He's and the, gridded out the I city know. and he's yeah. going through and clearing out sections. It's so good. And oh, um, But any, any movie that has Charlton Heston... Driving in a convertible through a deserted city uh, is pretty. That's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet movie. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, next is 1976 Logan's Run. Oh man, good one. Yeah, Logan's I think, Run. I'm pretty sure you showed me that movie too, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember. Uh, I wanted to list that just because of the ending was so cool. The oh, last yeah. part of the movie. I mean, I like everything in the beginning where he's, you know, hunting people down and then he escapes. But I loved it when he goes out and suddenly you see 
what the rest of the world yeah, is all about. Like that big vine colored. What? Where? What? Where, where? Where did he go? A library? I think was it so the Library of Congress, of Congress or like where that? he went, yeah, and it was all remember. covered in vines, yeah. and there was trees growing through it. Mm-hmm. And That's he met awesome. that old guy, yeah. and, oh, Peter Ustinov. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, man. super good. I mean that. That's one of those movies that really definitely comes back to me. Like the and and because it was done in 1976, the way it looks and the way it feels is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just can't. It's like Zardoz, you know. Remember that one with uh, Sean Connery? Oh yeah, completely yeah. strange and bizarre movie. But there's bizarre, something about yeah. the 70s feel. Yeah, that uh, makes 70s it even better. science fiction makes it even better. Yeah. So next was this is a more recent one. I mean, relatively recent. 1995, Twelve Monkeys. Oh, jeez. Just the opening for me. uh, I mean, I love the time travel stuff, and I love Mm -hmm. the fact that it's Terry Gilliam because he's just insane, and Mm -hmm. I I love all that stuff. But the fact, the opening stuff where he's walking through Baltimore, Mm -hmm. and he's in that suit, and he's like grabbing insects and doing all this kind of stuff, and Mm -hmm. then he looks up and he sees like a lion or something on top of the building. You just go, "What is happening?" Yeah, just visually, it's amazing. Yeah, good film. Uh, Yeah, and then the the last one. Is uh, 2002, uh, 28 days later. Probably one of the greatest zombie movies I, I think of all time. And it, and it, and it, and it, the guy wakes up. The apocalypse has already happened. Yeah. And he's just trying to figure out what to do. And it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Remember finding some cokes that spilled out of the machine because oh, so he's dying of thirst because he's been well, in a and coma. You, and one of those, just, yeah. Oh, and he goes into that church. He doesn't know what happened. Remember? Yeah. And he goes into the church. And he sees the and they're pastor, all the right? bodies yeah, are all yeah. laying down. And he goes up to the top level and he, and he hits something and he makes a noise or something. Uh-huh. And one of them just sits up. It's so good. All <sighs> like out of the blue. And the other one sits up. up yeah. They start popping up and running after him. Yes. Yeah. It's getting dark, and he runs out, and it just it all starts. That was so cool oh. because they're yeah because the zombies in that are inflicted with rage. Yeah, right? they're like, fast they're zombies. Super fast. I think it was the first thing I ever saw that had fast zombies. Yeah. And I, you know, I was kind of I mean to be honest, I was getting close to the point. This is before, I guess it's I think it's before The Walking Dead came out. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean yeah, the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. I mean the cartoon. The comic twenty eight days later was before The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, and. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I just remember seeing the movie and just absolutely loving it. Especially, and it's not even the zombie stuff that I love; it's mm-hmm. the survival aspect. And I think uh, an interesting thing about Twenty Eight Days Later uh, was that it was the humans yeah. that were the real threat. Sure, the zombies oh, the end, were a threat, absolutely. and The Walking Dead played on that definitely. But it was remember it was the soldiers, the at soldiers, the end. yeah, Christopher Eccleston the, and yeah, those guys. It's awful. Yeah, I mean that's to me. There's a more there's more of a feeling of dread mm-hmm. about that military uh, you know, that's set up in that yeah, house in Manchester than, yeah. than the zombies ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's that the 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 father and daughter who are living in that that high rise in London. Remember? And they've got all of those. Uh, have the Christmas lights set up just, so yeah, people so know. Can see, and they've got all those buckets up on the top of the collecting roof, water. collecting water, and he's just like, "There's just nothing here," you know, and. Yep. That kind of they stuff. They load it's up like their taxi and yeah. they go and they go oh, into the, the tunnel, tunnel. The and they get a, a great flat shot. in Man, the tunnel. Ridiculous. And the zombie. Oh, yeah. they I go mean, raid the store for all the food, oh, and so you're good. just thinking, "What would I grab during yeah. the apocalypse? Would I grab all the <laughs> all the beer?" And all? It's so good, and it, I just love that that uh, it becomes more about the people and less about the zombies. Yeah, and that's what I've always loved. 
So that's the end of the first part of that long, over hour long discussion of uh, inspirations, talking just about films. We're going to move now into the practices section. And hello, hello, everybody. This is Matthew again with Joe. Hello. Hey, we're going to talk about some practices. I'm going to take the lead on this one. All right. Um, so explain why, though. Explain what this is. Matt has written an awesome story. Oh, it's yeah, for today's short podcast, yeah, a the, short story that we're narrating. Yeah. And the practice he's going to talk about, he actually used yeah. to write this story, Absolutely. right? Yeah. From our writing group. Yeah. So tell him about it. So we've been meeting as a as a writer's group for about eight or eight years or so, if not more. We've been meeting a while, yeah. <clears throat> and one of the things that we do, there's three. There's kind of uh, well, there's the first one that we did that really started actually making stories happen. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this. This, when I get to the second one, you'll know the thing I'm, we're talking about. The first one is uh, there's a writing prompt called Take Three Nows. And you can go to it's writing exercise writing exercises.co.uk slash forward slash take three nouns. Take dash three dash nouns. Yeah, dot PHP. And what it is is it'll just generate three random nouns that you have to then you as a storyteller figure out a way to, to make those things incorporate. You have to use those three store those nouns in your story. That's so, it. like for example, uh, if I, you know, hit click and go for it, the first thing th- thing comes, comes up is pain, necklace and bucket. So now you write a <coughs> story me. somehow that So you write a story that, that incorporates yeah. that and you can keep doing it until you find a set of three nouns that actually c- connect with you. Mm-hmm. So, we did that a lot and I would basically just say write a 500 to 1,000 word scene or story that includes these things and uh, we would come back and read them out to each other and critique. Super cool. And that's <coughs> where this... And the, that, is that directly where... Are you okay there? Yeah, sorry. Uh, is that directly where this story came from then? That now, exercise? This one, uh, the story for the, the end of the podcast today came from the next practice that we do. Which is, I take... There's a website called Pexels. P-E-X-E-L-S dot com. And what's awesome is that all of the images on there are royalty free. You don't even have to attribute them to anyone. You can use them completely open and freely. And uh, I, what I do is go through and find an image that sparks something in me. Mm. I take that, stick it on an email, and send it out to everyone in the group and say, try and write a Mm. story, 500 to 1,000 words, that is inspired by this image. Mm -hmm. And it can be that for some reason this mm-hmm. specific image makes you think of this and so mm-hmm. you write a story about it. It doesn't even have to have the image in it. No, yeah. Just just inspires you to write. Gets so you started, yeah. I found this picture and it was uh I'm not going to tell you what the picture is cuz I want you to hear the story, but uh, when I saw the picture I went uh, I got a story I sat down and in less than an hour had finished the story. You know what we should do is when we put up the podcast of this and your story, we should put the picture up. If I can, if I can find a way to do that. We can find the picture. We could post it on our website on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. I could put it on Facebook or I can even... We, I'm slowly working on our actual site, so mm-hmm. we'll have a place that's connected with uh, yeah. Tuesday Net Publishing. And you know what else we could even do? We could we could do practices for people each week. We oh, could yeah. we could put a picture from Pexels.com that you use in our writing group. And, and send we that could to post it yeah. on Tales of the Fantastic. Yeah. We can do that on Facebook or, or wherever. We should do that. Yeah, okay. I think we should do that. So that's where this story that you're about to hear, that's where it came from. Awesome. Uh, it's called, what was it What's it even called? The name of your story? Oh, keep the light on. Keep the light on. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, uh, sorry, I couldn't remember. So this, what's kind of cool about this is my daughter, uh, she is has been in plays and is an actress, and so I add. She's I, quite a voice actress. I had I'm her pretty impressed. Be uh, because it's from the perspective of a young girl. She may have a future in voice acting. I would. I hope so. She's really good at it. So uh, here it is, kids. Keep the light on. Doom, doom, doom. Thanks. Keep the light on for me. He had said the words to Mommy right after he had slipped his hand around her waist, pulled her close, and kissed her. Daddy was already wearing the backpack and had on his good walking shoes, the ones with bent metal rather than holes for the laces. I liked those shoes. It meant that we were all going to be outside for a long time. But this time, Daddy was going alone. I remembered the raspy feel of his whiskers as he held me, the raw smell of soap and wool. Keep the light on for me. What does that mean, Daddy? It just means... Be ready for me. Okay. I wrapped my arms around his neck and squeezed. The little bones of my arms felt like they could break. (laughs) He laughed and kissed my forehead. He had left right after. Mommy had cried, but she had known it was the right thing for him to do. The rains hadn't been so good this year, and our crops were small. The rain catchers on the roof were nearly empty. Mommy had been smart and gathered a lot of extra water for drinking, boiling huge tubs of it, making us sweat in our rooms, and then letting it cool before filling jars and jars with it. But the crops needed more than we could spare. I helped Mommy gather what we could from the roof. Long ago before I was around to help, Mommy and Daddy brought dirt and built raised beds up there on the roof of their building. They were the only ones here anymore. They planted tomatoes, carrots, potatoes, bell peppers, my favorite, and spelt for bread. Daddy planted some pretty flowers too, but Mommy laughed at him and said that she didn't want to waste her time on something that they couldn't eat. She tells me that story all the time. Mommy also tells me about the electric lights and how you could make things work by just plugging them into the three holes that look like little faces in the walls. She says the whole city used to be a blaze of fire at night full of the electric lights. They don't work anymore. The factories that made the electric don't have people in them. Daddy left to gather food in cans and find more seeds. Mommy wanted to go with, but she knew I was too little to be left alone and that at least one of them needed to stay with me. Daddy was only supposed to be gone for a day or two. Mommy cried when I asked her how many days he had been gone. I told her that I would keep the light on for Daddy. That made her cry again. It just means, be ready for me. Mommy says it means something else, too. It can also mean a light in the dark for someone to find their way back if they're lost. Is Daddy lost? Mommy doesn't answer me. On the stairs, below our door... There's one of the electric lights. It's just past the trip wires and the stacks of old alarm cans we keep on the landing. It doesn't work. Every day, 
just before mommy shuts and locks the doors and we eat our small dinners. I get dressed in the special dress I wear for happy days, and I go wait on the stairs for daddy to be home. I put my hair in a ponytail with my green band, and I put the red bracelet he gave me on, and I pray, and I pray that I can keep the light on for daddy. But the electric light doesn't come on. I push with my brain, and I pray with my brain, and say the words over and over. Keep the light on. Keep the light on. Mommy thinks it's funny that I try, but she lets me do it. I think she likes the alone times when I'm by myself on the stairs. She thinks that I can't hear her crying while I'm sitting there, but I hear her. Sometimes she talks to Daddy even though he's not there. I do that too sometimes. Mommy made me tea today. I talk to Daddy when I'm waiting for him on the stairs and keeping the light on. We went out on our own a few times. We even found some cans that had fallen between the shelves of that old store. The one with the pig face on the outside. He has on a white hat and he makes me want to laugh. The cans were mostly good, but one of them had big dents on the side and we couldn't take that one. Mommy said it would make us sick. We were only out for a little bit, right after the sun came up. Mommy had her baseball bat and her flashlight and her backpack. I had one too, a pink backpack. Mommy made it from an old girly coat that didn't fit me anymore. I have water and carrots in it when we go out. Mommy doesn't like taking me outside. The crazies are outside, she says. But she didn't want to leave me at home either. light turn on last night. Mommy didn't believe me when I told her. I tried to do it again. I dragged her out into the hall and pushed with my brains. I couldn't do it again. Mommy was sad that I had lied to her. I told Daddy that I would keep the light on for him. He needs to come home. He's lost and he needs the light to find us again. I will push and push until I do it again. Keep the light on, Daddy. Thank you for listening to the Tales of the Fantastic podcast with Matthew Moan and Jan Cameron, brought to you by Tuesday Night Publishing. All music and sound effects licensed from Artlist.com. Follow us and join in on the conversation on Facebook. We'll see you next time.